0: All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back to the Fan in the Van podcast. Um, very interesting weekend as far as Yankees baseball is concerned. Um, we did sweep the Cleveland Guardians. It's still going to take some getting used to as far as saying that. Uh, Cole was dominant yesterday. Nasty Nestor looking good Saturday. Um, even Joey Gallo looks like he's starting to break out of his hitting slump just a bit. Um, but the thing from Saturday's game... And I've said this in other sports countless times, so I'm going to have to say it here as well. Just because you're privy to be able to sit in decent seats at Yankee Stadium doesn't give you the right to throw garbage at the opposing team's players after a nice little walk-off. Something that Glaber honestly needed. Um, you know, listen... I understand right field is a is a fucking very rowdy section. I mean, you got the bleacher creatures there. You know, and everybody's getting shit-faced from before the game through the first inning, second inning. So by the time the fifth, sixth inning comes around, I mean, you know, everybody's blacked out drunk. I mean, when I was younger, I used to sit there. So, you know, I kind of know what it's like in that area. But there's still no need for it. There's no need for it. Um, you know, you see that in the NBA, And you see all the fines happening because the fans want to jaw jack with the players and the players are responding back. you know. And I don't blame Miles Straw for trying to climb up and get into the stands and go after whoever's throwing bottles. And I think it was Mercado. And a lot of people sitting there saying Mercado is the instigator of all of it. I went back and watched and I don't see where he is. I think the fans in that section were just the instigators of it and just wanted to be drunk fools. And honestly... If security could see who who were the ones that threw it, I don't see how. I mean, I guess with technology today, you can kind of figure out who who were the perpetrators of it based on the fact. That I'm sure you have to show ID when you buy the tickets. So, um, listen, I'm sure they'll figure out who it is and whatever the punishment's going to be. It'll probably be banned for the rest of the year, or it could be worse, depending on what was actually thrown. Um, but I find it funny though. If you watch later into the video of it, as soon as Judge and Stanton go in the right field, all of a sudden the bullshit just stops. It's like, oh, here come these two behemoths who, at times, can't hit for shit. But you're but you're afraid of these guys, and and this is what I'm talking about when it comes to you little trolls on social media. And you want to sit there and 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 say all this stuff, and then you go to the field and you want to do all this stuff, you know, and then. Now even the players are starting to stand up for themselves. And the fact that Judge and Stanton stood up for the opposing team, it's not just because it's the opposing team. It's because they're humans just like they are. And they wouldn't want it done to them in an opposing stadium. So why would you want it done as far as, you know, it being done in your home stadium? Now, ah. Uh... You know, obviously, you know, we needed this series. We needed the sweep. And the Yankees now are only a half game out. They're only a half game out at first with Toronto. And you got Boston in the cellar. You got, I think, Tampa's above them. And then you got Baltimore, which is going to be in the cellar. And Baltimore just can't keep pitchers healthy. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, John Means was already hurt. Now John Means is going to get Tommy John surgery. I think that pitcher yesterday couldn't even last a full inning. So uh, I don't know what's going on. And can you attribute part of these injuries to a rushed spring training? Yeah. You can because they didn't have enough time to get the reps in. they needed enough time to do this, enough time to do that. So because you had greedy owners and you had greedy players and you had this negotiation um, nonsense that was just handled, it was handled piss poorly, but let's just be honest about it. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to see a lot more injuries. I mean, you know, you still have free agents out there now. Like, like, look at Michael Conforto, former Met outfielder. He came and played this year now because he had to get shoulder surgery. I think it was something he did in the offseason, but I don't think he's going to be ready to play. And the fact that Michael Conforto, I don't know where you thought that Michael Conforto was going to command all this money, but I think a qualifying offer, $18.4 by the Mets, was fair enough that he should have accepted the offer. And he didn't. And... Speaking of the Mets, look at the Mets right now. The Mets are doing exactly what the Yankees should have been doing, okay? Now, I'm not going to totally sit here and say that maybe this sweep is is the turnaround because we still got a lot of baseball left to play as far as all teams as far as the Yankees and the Mets. Now, the Mets could be on this on this high rise and dominate the LA, the NLEs for two, three months, and here comes the All-Star break, and historically, we know what happens after that. They crash and burn, here comes the injury train, here comes this, here comes the the, the mountain of excuses, as always, all right? But then again, could be different this year. We don't know. But to sit there, and you know, if you're going to sit there and bash the Mets fans having some excitement... I can't believe I'm even going to say this, but I would just kind of leave it alone because right now, as Yankee fans, we barely have two legs to stand on. I mean, I understand that there's there was some upside over this weekend. I understand that. Friday night, Judge hits, Judge is like 16th or 17th multi-home run career game, whatever it was. Um, you know, but some of the highlights, and it's one that I have to I have to take out of this, is Michael King. Michael King has been so dominant in the bullpen. Okay. That even I've been asked by other Yankee fans. Does it warrant him being moved into the starting rotation? I mean, it does have its upside. I mean, look at Cortez. Cortez was dominant in the bullpen and they made him a spot starter. And Now look, now he's a fifth starter. I mean, even though Saturday showed he was human, he gave up a home run, but still, look at Cortez's play. Even that play at first base where he literally catches Rizzo's throw and dives for the bag to get the out. I mean, granted, we're all probably sitting there going, what the hell are you doing? Because him diving like that, he could separate a shoulder, he could tear a joint, he could do this, he could do that, whatever. But that's the Yankee grit that has been missing is a guy like Cortez who will leave it all out there on the field. And, and it was funny, I was thinking about this, how everybody was mad when we got rid of Clint Frazier. And then some people were mad that we got Luke Voigt. Well, Clint Frazier is injured again. I think he had to have some procedure last week. Uh, I forget what it was. And now you got Luke Voigt who's out with a bicep injury. Now if we didn't get Rizzo and we kept void at first base, we would be in a manhunt looking for a first baseman. So getting Rizzo, again for some Yankee fans that didn't like the signing and I don't get, I, can't, I don't get if you're a Yankee fan why you would even hate this signing but look at what Rizzo's done. look at what Rizzo's done he's been clutch and he's been and so far and I get its still early in the year, but he's been a gold glove first baseman. So he's living up to every aspect of the contract so far. So far. Okay. DJ LeMayu right now seems to be the DJ LeMayu of old because in these past 11 games, he's 16 for 41, batting 391 and has an 11 game hit streak. Now, I'm not going to say that DJ LeMayu is going to hit 391, 400 all season long, but this is what we need. This is what we need. Now, I'm not going to turn around and say that we could forget all about the shitty offseason, lackluster thereof, that we didn't go and make moves that we should have made and could have gotten other pieces. And yeah, Donaldson's been good and he's been healthy so far. And the kid they got from the Twins has been, (coughs) he's been all right. Gallo has got to break out at some point. Otherwise, I'm sorry. I want the guardy party back. And I think they should, honestly. Even if you can't play Guardy every day, I think you need to go and bring him back. Gardner brings that spark He that the Yankees truly need. I don't know why Cashman's sitting on his hands, but I would just go in and do it. I get there's no other teams calling Gardner. I understand that. Which makes this more simpler. You could bring Gardner back on the cheap. The rest of the season... 1.5. Get it done. Not hard. He's he I get he's 39 or however old he is, and but he's a key piece off the bench. He's another outfielder where you could spell Judge a day and you could put Stanton in right and you could put you know Hicks in left or whatever you have to do. You know, do I still think the Yankees need to go and get another starting pitcher? Yeah. I think a lot of Yankee fans will tell you that. sevy has been decent, and Sevy managed to get to his last start. He said even without his best start stuff, he could get through a start. And he proved that, but that's one game. Okay? Cole yesterday needed this game. He needed this game from that abysmal start in Detroit, where he said that was unlike him, even. That that's something he's never seen. Like that he's... Ne- like, uh, what, what Pretty much what he's telling you is that he's not used to that. And he holds himself to the standard of... I'm Garrett Cole and I have to be the ace. And we all, wanna, we all want our aces. Whether you're a Mets fan, a Yankee fan, Red Sox fan, a Rays fan, an Orioles fan. You know, a Nationals fan. It's all well and good. It's all well and good. You want to hold yourself to this high standard. And we understand... Most of us should understand that they're humans, and that eventually they're going to have a bad start here or there. So hopefully that was the most abysmal start that Cole has all year, and he got it out of his system early. But the key factor in all this, if you really want to see the Yankees in the playoffs, and you really want to see the Yankees win a World Series, is they have to keep winning Series 1. Two, they're going to have to hop Toronto, which you're going to have to have Toronto start losing. You're going to have to hope that Boston... Keep sliding down the, sliding down closer to the cellar with Baltimore, and the Tampa follows suit. Okay, the other thing is at the All Star break, Cashman and Hal are going to have to make moves that are going to vastly improve part of this team. But we have to wait and see what's available before the All Star break. That's what we're going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to see who's going to be the buyers, who's going to be the sellers. Okay, it, It's as simple as that. I mean, again, and I know a lot of us Yankee fans have said it at nauseam, it was a lackluster off season, Very lackluster. We, we didn't even offer Freeman a contract. And right now, it looks like, it looks like it was the right thing to do. Because of Rizzo's productivity. But is Rizzo going to keep it up all year? Rizzo's going to go into a slump. It's a historical fact because every player does. You know, is Glaber Torres going to find himself? And that's the key here. This is the other key. Glaber's got to find himself. And Saturday, I think, was part of that. The fact that Glaber was benched for three straight games, and then all of a sudden, Aaron Boone does the unthinkable. And this is where Boone's got to start managing more like this. Outside the box, take the chance. You bring in a guy who hasn't been hitting. You bring in a guy who hasn't done anything really. And he gets you the game-winning hit. That's where Boone needs to improve on his managerial skill. Is Boone needs to... He needs to manage just with, with his gut. And I understand whatever decisions he makes, okay, whatever decisions he makes, we're either going to bash it, we're either going to bash it, or we're going to love it. It's just the nature of, not only Yankees baseball, but just baseball in general, and the way we, the fans, think. All right, we're always going to either be happy for a decision that's made, that pans out in our favor, or we're going to bash it. You know, we could sit here and we could we could bash the Yankees, we could bash the Mets, you know. We could do all this bashing when it doesn't go right. But Saturday, Boone did the unthinkable. And he thought outside the box. So, as much as we spend bashing Aaron Boone and bashing the Yankees, there's times like this where we could speak positively of the Yankees. And I think it's going to be a lot of... To be honest, we're going to bash, I think, a little bit more. Then we're going to speak positively of the Yankees. But then again, the Yankees could turn around, sweep the Orioles, go on to the next series, win that one. I'm not expecting the Yankees, and I don't think any Yankee fans expect them to sweep every series. You know, and we don't lose another game the rest of the year. Because, listen, that's an improbable... Feet to, to, to happen. All right. But the consistency needs to be there. We have to be able to score. Yesterday is the other key factor in a successful Yankee year is that they put up runs early for their starting pitcher. Not only their starting pitcher, but for their ace. That was the other key. <coughs> that was the other key. You have to put up. I'm not saying you got to go and put up. Seven, eight, nine runs every game. Yeah, it's nice to see bottom of the first, Rizzo, golf clubs, one out to right field. And then LaCastro hits a bomb on top of that. You know, and then Saturday, LeMay, as you know, I think it was Sunday, LeMay who put one in the seats. Listen, that's all well and good, but, you know, they got to get back to that small ball too, you know, because small ball and pitching are going to win you games. It's just a, it's just a simple fact. Um, you know, to jump off baseball for a bit, there was some other stuff I was looking at. I know this episode was supposed to be the whole, you know, the draft preview, but i would probably do that one. I would say, well, obviously being Thursday is the start of the draft. So I'll do it Thursday. Um, you know, it's a lot of work things. I was off Saturday and I'd rather relax. So, um, you know. Um, But to jump into the NFL a bit, without really speaking of the draft, because I'll go over my mock draft. Um, I did a Steeler one, who I think the Steelers will draft. I did one where I think it shakes it up a bit. And then I did another one where who I actually think is going where, when, and whatever. And I might do one because I've seen a couple where there's, there's mock trades. And some of them involve the Giants with the Seahawks and the Panthers and the Seahawks where Willis and Pickett both go. And where does that leave the Steelers at this point? So I'll go over that more on Thursday. But as far as the NFL with the with the Niners and Debo Samuel. Alright, so apparently there's this party. Debo Samuel's at it and this guy's holding like this fake billboard marquee sign it says Debo's gonna stay in San Francisco. Then this guy pans over to him and he's like he's doing like the whole the, the you know the whole hand to the throat like Nah, 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 cut that shit. Um, a lot of it has to do with these younger guys like him, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, that all want these big, these huge contract extensions because look at what's going on across the league. When guys like Christian Kirk are getting these monstrous deals for being subpar best, Guys like Derek Carr getting these QB extensions when they've been subpar at best. The fact that Chad Henney has more playoff wins than Derek fucking Carr, let's be real. These contracts have inflated the markets, okay? They've inflated the markets, So now, and granted, I'm not saying Debo Samuel doesn't deserve his money. I'm not saying A.J. Brown doesn't deserve a payday. I'm not saying Terry McLaurin doesn't deserve a payday. But let's be real here for a second, okay? And if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I shut my mouth. Because Le'Veon Bell shouldn't be interjecting in anything. Because Le'Veon Bell is an idiot. As talented as he was, he's a moron. Because he screwed himself out of a lot of money in Pittsburgh to go play for the measly Jets and get paid less. Okay? And there is your downfall of the legacy that is Le'Veon Bell. Okay? Because Le'Veon Bell has to find a way to keep himself relevant and interject himself into anything and give people the wrong advice. If I'm Debo Samuel, I don't sit out. If I'm A.J. Brown, I don't sit out. I build up my value more. And I understand in football, it's a physical sport and you're risking an injury. I understand this. Okay? But I went and looked at another thing because, you know, I'm I'm always researching something. So let's go back to exactly 10 years ago. 2012. Okay? These were the highest NFL salaries in the league at the time. And then we'll go to 10 years later. Drew Brees was making twenty million a year. Peyton Manning was making nineteen point two, and Peyton Manning was better than Drew Brees. Okay, Calvin Johnson was making sixteen and a half million. Mario Williams was making sixteen. Brady was making fifteen point seven million. Okay, so now let's go to ten years later. Patrick Mahomes is making forty plus million. Aaron Rodgers is making fifty million. Josh Allen's making damn near almost forty million. Derek Carr. Is making 40 million. So these guys in 2012 were getting paid their worth. These guys now are getting paid on an inflated contract that they're really not worth. Granted, Patrick Mahomes is a talented quarterback, but to tell me he should be $40 million a year, no. Josh Allen's a talented quarterback. Thirty to forty million? No. Okay. <clears throat> Do I understand where Debo Samuel's coming from? If you put yourself in Debo Samuel's shoes, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. He wants his payday because, in essence, the guy kind of like and listen, Le'Veon Bell did play. What? Let's be real. He kind of did. Play two positions at one point where he was a running back and he was a a wide receiver out of the backfield. So I understand where Debo's coming from, you know, where he's like, listen, you know, he did help get San Francisco into the playoffs. But the fact that now he wants out proposes this, that now here comes all these. I don't know how true reports they are, but that San Francisco would package a deal with him and Garoppolo. Now. For Steelers fans that listen, this is where, in, in the world of fantasy, I would love for this to happen. But in the world of reality, it would never happen, and it would never happen because of this one reason. Money. The Steelers just simply don't have enough of it to pay both guys. So in essence, you would have to give up a lot of draft capital and shell out a lot of money. Okay. Trust me, I would love to have DeBo Samuel and Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're getting a healthy Garoppolo and the same DeBo Samuel from last year. And a lot of people are bashing Samuel Samuel's, you know, they're talking about how, you know, he's a cornball, he's this, he's that, he shouldn't be bitching about money. And there's also some with these guys where if they don't play in their final rook- in their final year of their rookie contract, because they weren't first rounders, they lose money accrued or whatever it is. So that's the other gamble you're taking, is that if you sit out, you might not even get paid. So is that a risk you really want to take? That's where I say I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't listen to Le'Veon Bell at all. Because Le'Veon Bell didn't even know simple math. Le'Veon Bell got a better deal in Pittsburgh. Let's be real about it. Let's be real. Le'Veon got the better deal in Pittsburgh. And again, in that situation, both sides were just stubborn. Because the deal could have been worked out. It wasn't, but it is what it is. Now, as far as A.J. Brown goes, you know, A.J. Brown's a talented wide receiver. And A.J. Brown deserves a payday. But what these guys are looking at is an inflated market. Okay. They're looking at an inflated market where again a guy like Christian Kirk got an eighty-four million dollar contract. And what has Christian Kirk really done in the NFL? Okay? Zay Jones overpaid. Okay? And I understand it's by a team who had cap money. And that's the other problem. Is that you have these guys that are so far under the cap that they could afford and overpay for a piece they really kind of shouldn't have overpaid for. So, you know, again, you know, when you look at, especially from the quarterback perspective, and I understand it's the toughest position to play because in essence, you are the, you, you're the general on the field. And I understand that they're going to get the biggest contracts out there you know, they are gonna get the they're gonna get the big bag. I understand that. But again, when you look at Derek Harris, you've inflated the market for, for for mediocrity. And in essence, Jacksonville did that at wide receiver because now, you know, if Debo Samuel gets his payday, or if he gets traded and whoever trades for him gives him this huge extension, you've now created another problem in the league where it's well if I don't get what I want. I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to beg to be traded. And in, in essence, I call it the James Harden effect. Where. You. You don't like a situation. So you just sit there and you just become a baby back bitch about it. Until you get your way. And then you don't like another situation. So you do the same thing. And then you get your way again. And you keep getting your way. So. When you look at it from this standpoint, you know, and I don't disagree with Debo Samuel want now. And I don't, agree, I don't disagree with A.J. Brown wanting his extension and Terry McLaurin wanting his. Consider the fact Terry McLaurin's got to put up with such a dysfunctional franchise in the Washington Commanders. And the fact that they couldn't even pick a, te- pick a team name originally, that that just be called the football team. And the fact that there's so much controversy in that organization, which I haven't even discussed yet. Well, at least I don't think I did. But if I did, I'll just refresh it. The commanders wound up withholding a certain percentage of visitor ticket sales that now they're being investigated. The same way Cleveland's being investigated for tanking in 16 and 17 and paying Hugh Jackson to do so. The same way Stephen Ross and the Dolphins are being investigated for tampering with Tom Brady. So the league already has enough issues, and it seems like it can't get out of its own way. And where does and where does this end and I understand listen you have a cap in the NFL so you can only spend so much but again if these teams like the Jaguars who are way past mediocrity they just plain suck okay uh, if you got the money to spend and you want to overpay on a guy realize realize the precedent you set and I'm not saying you have to sit here and you have to set well I, I should rephrase this. I'm not sitting there and thinking you should think of the consequence of of how you spend your money, because you're you're the ownership. You're Shad Khan, and it's your money, and you could pay whoever you want, how however much you want. But that process does have a consequence that others look at, and they go, "Well, if Christian Kirk, who's subpar best, and has never had a thousand yard." A thousand-yard season is getting a three-four-year deal at eighty-four million, and if I'm Debo Samuel and I rushed for over, say, five hundred yards and and had receiving yards of over a thousand, I carried my team to the playoffs. You know, even though I've been injury-prone at times, you know, I feel I'm valued more than that. You know, look at even in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Deontay Johnson's going to want an extension. Where's Deontay Johnson value? That honestly, to me, the Steelers aren't going to overpay. The, the only way they overpay is if they feel Deontay Johnson's going to be the end all be all. Okay, if they feel he's going to be for the next ten years, he's going to have over a thousand yards and 20, twenty, thirty touchdowns, and you know, we're in the playoffs, and he gets us to the playoffs consistently then yeah, they may overpay a little bit. But Deontay Johnson to me is about $15 million a year if you're going to go on his extension. And that's only because... That's only because I'm going based on 10 years ago and Calvin Johnson, who's a Hall of Famer, was only getting half 16, 16, 1000000 million. I'm not gauging what Deontay Johnson should get based off of this wide receiver market because it's so subpar... As far as what these guys are getting. And what I mean by this is that, again, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones are not worth the contracts they were given. You overpaid. Again, Patrick Mahomes is talented, but Patrick Mahomes is not $40 million a year. Aaron Rodgers, for as good as he is, let's be real about the great Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is getting paid more than Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's done more in the league than Aaron Rodgers has ever done. Super Bowls, Super Bowl MVPs. And I understand with Brady that comes the controversy. I understand. The Tuck Rule, the flake gate, I get that. But in the big moment, Tom Brady has something over Aaron Rodgers, and that's clutchness. Okay? Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it. Aaron Rodgers lost to a team who couldn't even put a point on the board with their offense this year. Okay? That's who you lost to. You lost to Garoppolo and the Niners. Okay? A game that you should have easily dominated and you didn't. Okay? It's as simple as that. Even guys like Drew Brees, you know, Drew Brees wasn't overpaid. To me, I think Peyton Manning was a bit underpaid in 2012. Brady. Brady, the only reason why he was getting under $20 million was because he kept restructuring his deal so New England could bring guys in so that they could still be a winning franchise. And he's doing that in Tampa because he restructured a deal yet again that's going to save Tampa like $9 million. So, <clears throat> for as much as we knock Tom Brady, Tom Brady is a team player type of guy. Um, you know, but as I get ready... Uh, I got to start getting everything ready for work. So uh, Thursday will be the NFL draft special. Um, I'll go over my mock drafts. Uh, and then maybe Friday if I do one. Somebody had asked me if I can go over Aaron Rodgers, uh, not Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Judge, as far as the contract situation where I think he's worth. So I did print Aaron, Aaron Judge's stats. Over the course of his career so far. So I'll go over those. Um, If it's not Friday. That that might be a Monday thing. But again. I just want to thank those who listen. Retweet and follow as always. My buddies over at uh, 1420 Sports. Uh, Nate's Daily Wagers. Another good podcast to listen to. Um, Armchair Commentary. Another one. Uh, Average Joe's Sports Podcast. As always. Um, Sports Bliss is another one uh also don't forget we're on newsly so if you are on newsly and you want a free month of premium subscription just use uh code FanVan and you get a free month of premium subscription so hey you like something free for a month why not there's the code for you so till the next one be safe and as always peace